What's going on, Warriors, and welcome to episode 74 of the Weekly Warrior Podcast. On today's episode, Connor and I sit down to discuss something we all know you've been waiting to hear about. It's called the Hedonic Adaptation. We're going to discuss what it is and how to avoid it. So sit back, relax, and get ready to discover your warrior within. Hey, Connor. Hey, Cor. Welcome back. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. Are you uh, are you excited? Yeah, I sure am. Are you ready to crack the can on a new episode Woo! of the Weekly Warrior? Yeah. Yeah. What are you uh, What are you drinking? I'm drinking some Aldi sparkling water with no flavoring. It's really special. Aldi brand. Yeah. Original yeah. sparkling water. In the blue and silver can. Yeah. That one's mine. Yeah. I only have one grapefruit left, so I, st- <laughs> I stole one of yours. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, excited to be back. It has been a little while. We have been taking some time off to gather ourselves after 74, 73 straight episodes and we're going to share some bigger updates once we get Bones on, and that'll probably be next week. But we're going to talk about something. We're going to jump right back into it today, and we're going to talk about something fun. So tell us what we're going to talk about. Yeah, I think it's fun. Yeah, it is fun. <laughs> um, I got really interested in learning about just annoying features of the brain. And specifically mm-hmm. about this concept of hedonic adaptation. Ooh, that sounds complicated. Can What is it? So, <laughs> hedonic adaptations based on a theory in psychology. Mm-hmm. And it's this idea that human behavior revolves around pursuing pleasure. Mm-hmm. Right? So, there's this adaptation that occurs where we have this ability to adjust really quickly and return to what's known as our happiness set point. So basically, everyone has a happiness baseline. And it's pretty easy to find your happiness baseline. You can just use a 1 to 10 scale, right? (laughs) Yeah. My favorite, 1 to 10 scales. And you can rate your happiness on a scale of 1 to 10. 1 being I'm absolutely miserable and 10 being I'm over the moon, Mm. filled with joy and happiness. Yeah. So let's do this right now. On a scale of 1 to 10, how happy are you? Right this very second? Yeah. Probably like a a 6.5 or a 7. Nice. Yeah. So what you would do is you would rate your happiness periodically. So Mm. maybe do it... Uh, several times over the next week and then take an average mm. to figure out your baseline. Okay. So when I did this, I was six and a half, seven. Yeah. That was my baseline. That's my set point. That tends to be where I fall. Yeah. Pretty neutral ground there. Yeah. And so this is kind of the baseline that we return to over time. Okay. So of course we experience things that will boost our happiness, right? Mm-hmm. So... Some examples of happiness boosters might be getting a new job. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Getting a new job. Maybe getting, getting a new car. Getting a new car. Absolutely. Maybe getting a promotion. Mm-hmm. That would boost your happiness. 
getting Starbucks coffee. <laughs> yeah, that's mine. Yeah, that boosts your happiness. <laughs> getting a lot. some NCB. Yeah, some nitro cold brew. Some nitro cold hey, brew. Hey, Starbucks, you want to sponsor us? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, quick story. I did go to Starbucks this week. Mm-hmm. I didn't tell you about it, but I Whoa. went. I went through the drive-through, and I asked for the nitro cold brew. Yeah. With the sweet cream. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. And you know what they said? What? Our nitro machine is broken. What? So they couldn't give me the stuff. Did you leave immediately? Yeah, I said, okay, no thanks. No, I got just a regular cold brew. Wow. But you brought me cold brew at work the other day. Yeah, this is a different time. What? (laughs) Keeping secrets. Yeah. Keeping secrets. Yeah. Well, that's a shame. I hope that they got that repaired. Yeah. But anyway, those things, those things will give you that temporary boost in happiness. But we can't keep, we can't sustain that, you know? So when I get my nitro cold brew from Starbucks, my happiness might jump, right? Mm. And mine jumps all the way up to a 10. Yeah, you're at a, you're at a 10. <laughs> I'm, sure. I'm, I'm topped out after Sugar? that. Sweetness? <laughs> Creamy? Yeah. That's a 10. Um, for you, it might be getting awesome stuff, like a new Lego set. Yeah. Yeah. Getting yep. new Legos, maybe some like really great whiskey. That normally makes me pretty happy. Yes. Yeah. yeah having... Lego and whiskey together yeah. is generally like... That's a ten. That's a ten. That's a ten. Yeah. <laughs> but so we experience the we experience these big boosts. But then this is where that annoying feature of the brain, where hedonic adaptation comes in, where we can't sustain that, and ultimately we return to our set point, mm. which is kind of a bummer, right? So we basically just get used to these things after a while. Yeah. Things that make Annie happy are going and trying to steal butt nuggets. Butt nuggets out of the cat box. Yeah, they're candy coated <laughs> butt nuggets. We fight that battle daily now that the <sighs> litter box is in a more accessible location. Annie, come here. Yeah. She keeps trying to go in while we're talking right now. Anyway, she's sneaky. We yeah we digress. Um, so yeah, little things that might be material things might be life changes that. Shoot your happiness up, but your brain creates adaptations to sort of bring you back down to your baseline. Yeah. Okay. Just making sure we're on the same page here. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly right. So I got really interested in this because um, I don't know if very many people know, know this, but Yale offers free classes, free courses that you can take online. So I just learned about this. So Yale was offering this psychology course in happiness and well-being, which I thought, what what a great time right now when we're all stuck inside. In Michigan, it's cloud season because Mm. it's winter, so we're not going to see the sun for a few more months. And it's cold, it's dark. This is where we experience, you know, seasonal depression disorders. Yep. yep. And I thought, what, what a great time to just dive into psychology around happiness. Sure. So that's what got me interested in this. Yeah, because Michigan is, um, 
it's definitely interesting in the winter because it's a beautiful place to be in the summertime. There's so much stuff to do outside. And then a lot of times in the winter, it feels like we're stuck inside for like five months. We never see the sun. So yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. The, the seasonal depression and bringing down happiness and what is going to make us happy. What can we do to pursue happiness? Yeah. But if anyone's interested, you can just Google the science of well-being Yale psychology course and you can enroll for free. And it's, it's great. They have lectures. They're pretty short videos. And I've, I found it really helpful. Yeah. If you got, yeah, if you want to learn some cool stuff, Yale will teach you for free. Yeah. Cool. So, but I think the big, the big idea surrounding this podcast is, okay, we're aware that this adaptation happens, Mm -hmm. so how do we avoid it? Yeah. I think it's interesting that, and this happens with everybody, I think that everyone deals with this, it's, there's a hunt, right? Because everyone likes a thing, right? Yeah. So there's this thing that you really, really want and you search for it and you search for it and you search for it. And then when you finally have it, it's like this big momentous thing. And then a couple days from then it's you're, you've moved on to like the next thing. The high is gone. Yeah. So yeah. you're seeking that next, you know, that next yeah. thing. What I found really interesting with the adaptation piece is this happens all the time in relationships. Oh, yeah. So think back to, you know, your first kiss <laughs> and how <laughs> and how explosive that felt and the feelings you got from that, right? Yeah. So then this is the adaptation, though. Your first kiss is brings out all of these feelings and endorphins and it spikes your happiness baseline Mm -hmm. but then over time you know you get into the routine of you just like you kiss your you kiss your partner goodbye yeah really quick it's kind of like a quick peck okay goodbye it's not this meaningful there was no build up to it it's just like okay a kiss is just a kiss now right right so Another interesting piece of this is they've done studies on happiness in marriage. And when you get married, the studies have shown that your happiness Mm -hmm. will spike and will stay elevated one to two years after you get married Mm. in your relationships. That's what people report. So after two years of being married you will then ultimately return to your set point. So if you're at a 6.57, you get married. Two years later, mm-hmm. you're still riding that high of, wow, we're married. This is so great. We're yeah. at like a 7.8. But then after that, you're going to return to baseline. Okay. That's kind of sucks. But it, Yeah. But as I think it's interesting to when you look at the baseline too, this is – totally a rabbit hole but it just is more motivation for you to find things that make you happy outside of like yeah you're mar- you're happily married and you're you're excited and whatever so that's where you work on yourself to make your baseline higher so it's like you can ride that high and not fall down as far it's like you're not constantly looking for that high because you're down so low mm-hmm. type thing 
Yeah. That's yeah. I, I, it's just interesting because I'm, th- I'm sitting here listening to you and I'm thinking about all this stuff where it's like, man, this is, everybody does this. This is a thing with literally everything that there's always human beings are, I think human beings are just like that. There's yeah, always it's, the, it's human nature. The, the, the next thing yeah. to experience or buy or whatever, the brain gives you that dopamine hit. Yeah, but I, I looked at that study of married couples yeah. and how their happiness came back down after just two years. Yeah. And in my mind, I was thinking, man, that's... That stinks. Mm-hmm. That's such a shame. And for me, I was thinking the awareness around this piece is important. So knowing that that happens, but then how can you keep creating those happiness boosts during your relationship so that you can like keep reclaiming those feelings? Yeah. You know? So what can we do to... So there, we've established that this hedonic adaptation is a thing that happens in our brain when we come back down to our baseline. So how do we work to, I don't know, maybe not avoid that, but adapt to that adaptation and or know it's coming and what do we do, you know, what do we do for that? Yeah, there's there's four things that we can talk about for how to avoid this. The I number mean the, one is buy a new puppy. Yeah, I'm just I'm kidding. <laughs> instant happiness booster. Yeah, instant, new puppy. Yeah, instant happiness. Yeah, but well, I mean, we've talked about it. Just knowing that this happens, awareness alone that this is occurring is a great start. Yeah, I think when it comes to the idea of buying awesome stuff. So if we go with this idea of, okay, having awesome stuff, like Legos, clothes, cars, a new house, yeah, is going to make me happy. Yep. If we can get away from that and shift towards investing in experiences, that has been shown to instantly improve your happiness over a longer period mm-hmm. of time. Yep. So if you can spend money on vacations, trips, you know, really great dinners out, mm-hmm. um, Bones and Jess, they just invested in an experience where they did an at-home beer tasting, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So they did like a Harry Potter beer tasting. It was a virtual, yeah, because it was going to be in person at the brewery, but obviously because of COVID, yeah, it was virtual. It was a virtual Harry Potter-themed beer tasting, yep. but that's really cool, Yep. right? So these experiences, they're temporary, right? They're fleeting, but you spend a longer period of time looking forward to them. You can savor the time and the memories that you create during them, yep. and you can reminisce you can also share that experience by talking about it with other people. Yeah. And so all of these things sort of extend the happiness boost that you get yep. versus just buying maybe like a beer glass. It's like uh, I got a new pair of boots today or I got a new shirt or, or I got a new pair of leggings. Yes. Like, and I'm so happy. Right. 
That's super quick yeah. and temporary. And then you put them away and... Yeah. <laughs> Versus, oh, I invested in signing up for a Tough Mudder. Yeah. Or I invested in a trip to the West Coast. Yeah. I, ha- I mean, there's... I have so many memories of road trips and, tra- and travel in general, um, but I can barely remember what I got for Christmas last year. As far as like Man, things go, you know what I mean? That's so right. Everyone right now should think about that. What did you get for Christmas last year? I have no idea. I know I, I got you coffee. Yes. I got you a ton of coffee. You did, yeah. And then we got like some fun gifts from my parents. But yep. I remember the stocking. I remember getting yeah. pistachios. Yeah. In the stocking yeah. and um, like tangerines. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that was a tradition. But that's a that's an almost an experience though. Yeah. Like that's not as much a thing as is is an experience. Yeah. But yeah, I think I, you know, it's interesting to talk to especially older folks. Uh, and now that we're living up north in Michigan, everyone hunts and fishes up here, and everyone's got a story about yeah the you know their first big buck that they shot or the big fish that they caught or whatever but they don't remember the thrill that they you know when they bought a new pair of pants for you know or whatever yes they don't remember any of that but they remember the moment where they you know the adrenaline was pumping and they got meat in their freezer type thing so that i completely understand you make such a deeper connection with the experiences than if you're just buying the things it seems counterintuitive, though, to invest in something that's fleeting, that's going to go away. Like, the experience is only going to be around for a short amount of time. So I think for a lot of people, it feels counterintuitive to think that way. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it, so let's use whiskey and coffee. Okay. So you like whiskey. I love Starbucks Nitro Cold Brew. Mm-hmm. If we had that every single day, it stops feeling like a treat. Yeah. Right? If I just like get up every morning, I mean, my normal like morning cup of joe doesn't feel <laughs> so much like a treat yeah. versus like the few times a month I'll go to Starbucks yeah. and drop five bucks on <laughs> coffee, right? Yeah, right. So that feels like a treat. And because I know that that's a very temporary experience, I savor it so much more. Mm-hmm. Whereas, so you have some nice bottles of whiskey. Yeah. So like you have, would you say the Jefferson's Aged at Sea is your most expensive bottle? It is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So if you drank whiskey every single night, mm-hmm. it stops feeling like an event or an experience or a treat. Yeah. Right. But if you invest in maybe like going to a whiskey distillery and ordering, you know, like a Michigan mule with a really high-end whiskey, you're going to savor that way more. Or you do like when we went to the Buffalo Trace distillery and you do a full like tour and whatever. And so now every time I drink any type of Buffalo Trace product, I can immediately connect with the sights the sounds the smells of that tour because that was an experience yeah like there was i bought stuff but the stuff 
is now connected with something. Yeah. Where that's like furniture. Like I like building my own furniture because it immediately creates more of a connection to it. There's a story behind it, especially mm-hmm. when you buy like, like, you know, reused stuff and you make something out of it. Um, like the shelves that I made out of the floorboards from the Blue Swallow Motel. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that had, there's a connection to that, that I can talk about, I can think about, that makes me happy, but it's not just the thing. Having the thing isn't necessarily what makes me happy. Yeah. Having the connection to, you know, the past or the fact that I built it or whatever. Yeah. Makes it more meaningful. So... This is this is the second way you avoid that adaptation is this idea of savoring. Mm-hmm. And it sounds really simple, but very few of us actually practice it. So when we think about savoring, savoring is your ability to step outside of yourself in the moment and really, really appreciate it mm-hmm. so that you can cement that experience into your mind and then recall it later on. Yep. So... This week, we we made chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. We made chocolate chip cookie dough. And so here's the difference is we could either eat these cookies mindlessly while watching TV on the couch, right? So that's one experience. Or we could savor the cookies by slowing down really thinking about, wow, this is a great chocolate chip cookie. Oh my God. And focus on that experience and kind of extending it and savoring it. And that's why the cookies are just bigger. Uh, you, it takes longer to eat them that way. Yeah. <laughs> we make I can still, cookies. I can still eat them as fast as I want. Yeah. And I enjoy every bite. Right. But what I'm, more of it. <laughs> what I'm saying is, okay, so the first way to avoid this is invest in experiences over stuff. But the second way is you can savor those everyday things. Mm-hmm. So I can savor the coffee that I have every morning if I choose to. Yeah. But it's going to take intentional effort. You know, you can savor a glass of whiskey, a cookie, you can savor a kiss mm-hmm. with your partner, yeah. right? But it has to be intentional. You have to intentionally slow yourself down and savor those moments that happen every single day. Yeah. And we take them for granted. Yep. We completely take them for granted. Sure. So, yeah. You said you had four. That was two. Yes. What's the third one? Yeah. The third one. Oh, man. This is interesting. The third way to avoid this adaptation that occurs is living by this mentality of this is my last day. I know this sounds morbid. I know this sounds morbid. But the idea of this is you're going to pretend and approach every situation as if they won't last. Okay? So the concept is live by make this day your last. So you're basically just going to think about, okay, tomorrow I'm going to lose the thing that I love. 
A great experience that a lot of us have had is graduating from high school or college. Mm -hmm. So graduation date marks the end of something, mm -hmm. right? You're losing, you could be losing friendships, connections, you know, like things are just never going to be the same. But if you approach those events differently, so if I gave you a glass of whiskey and said, this is going to be your last glass of whiskey for the rest of your life. Yeah. Would you savor that differently than any other glass of whiskey? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. If someone handed me a cup of coffee and said, this is your last cup of coffee, I would drink that cup of coffee way differently, <laughs> right? Yeah. Way differently. And you can do this again with everyday situations. Mm -hmm. So when you kiss your partner goodbye, when you, you know, spend mindful moments with your pets, when you take a walk outside and enjoy nature. So like I take Annie for a walk every day by the water mm -hmm. and you know, the more I do it, it just, it's just a walk. It's like, okay, it's 10 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to take the dog for a walk. We're going to go, we're going to go out and back and then we're, that's it. Yeah. Versus what if this was the last walk I ever did with Annie? Right. I would enjoy it and savor it a lot more. I'd probably play with her more, watch the joy in her face by the water. So this one is hard because I don't want it to be this morbid thing of I'm trying to live my, I'm trying to live every day as if it were my last, but it does really ch change how you would approach things. I think that even if we don't want to make it morbid, that the fact that so death of a loved one or like, like losing someone, whenever that happens, people tend to go into this place of you know i'm gonna live my life more intentionally mm. and like make the moments mean more because my i'll never have my grandma back yeah or I'll, you know what i mean so it's like um and not that it's good that someone has passed away that's close to you but it gives people that moment of pause where it's I do need to savor these moments with these people because someday I won't get to have them anymore. And so, like I said, it's not good that someone passes away, but in a lot of ways it is good to give yourself that perspective because the next time you hang out with your mom, you might spend less time on your phone or your, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. because someday, and I like, especially talking to my mom who was close with her mom. And then when her mom passed away, you know, she talks about it all the time, how she wishes she could just, yeah. you know, have another talk, you know, with her, right. with her another, mom again. Another phone call. Or, so, yeah. you know, it is sort of a morbid thing and you shouldn't approach every single thing like, you know, this is my last, if this was my last thing, you know, what would I do? But with that in mind, the connections you make with people, the connections you make with your daily cup of coffee should I mean it's not a bad thing to to stop for a second and and do that you know what I yeah. mean so yeah I think that that's a really important one to remember and to to allow yourself to kind of get into a little bit of a deeper place with it yeah 
So there's one more. Yeah, one more. There's one more way to avoid this adaptation. Yeah. So, and this one, I think most people are familiar with this, but it's it's gratitude. Mm-hmm. So gratitude is being thankful and appreciative for the yeah, things that you have. For sure. And we've done... We've done other episodes about gratitude. So we did we did an episode. It's episode 23. We interviewed one of the one of the minds behind the gratitude journal or the 5-minute journal, mm-hmm. which I have and I have picked up again recently. And then you did an episode with Jared Hamilton. Yeah, my man, Jared. Yeah, so Jared, that was episode eight Mm -hmm. where you guys talked about gratitude. Yeah, because he's all about that. So again, very simple concept. Most of us don't do it though, but they've done a lot of research around just writing down five things you're grateful for every day. Mm -hmm. And it has shown remarkable and sustained improvements in that happiness baseline. Yeah. Well, you can't be, you can't be, you know, in a bad place and be gratitude and be grateful at the same time. Because like, I hear this all the time in my day to day where people are unhappy about this. They're complaining about how this went wrong or this went wrong or whatever. And they like, they can't, they can't, believe how bad their day was yeah and it's like man it could be a lot worse like you're lucky to have a job you have a car you have a roof over your head all these things that a lot of people don't have and um i find my i mean everybody finds themselves doing that i was on my way to work the other day and the roads were really slick and so my more and i forgot my keys and i couldn't this and i you know so i was all bent out of shape because my morning was so rough and as soon as I pulled into the parking lot at work, it was like, okay, I had my moment where it was like, woe is me. But ultimately, we're really fine. Everything is okay. And we're, if you have things to be grateful for, remind yourself of that. Um, exactly what you said. Just think about how different your headspace would be every day if you wrote down five things you're grateful for. Or wrote down your five hassles of the day, right? Mm. So how different would your headspace be every single day? So if I wrote down my five hassles, it's like, you know, I have aches and pains. Had to do the dishes again. Dishes. (laughs) You know, if you wrote down your hassles, it's just it becomes a slippery slope with your with your headspace. Yeah. Versus if you, you know, take stock of, okay, what is going well right now? Um, yeah, gratitude, huge. Yeah, they've done some research. You can take your gratitude practice a step further and get an even bigger happiness boost from it if you take it a step further and tell other people. So when you're writing these gratitude statements, if I say, I am so thankful for the loving, affectionate, and caring relationship that I'm in, mm-hmm. or I'm so thankful that tonight you clean the kitchen and you made dinner, I should take that a step further and go to you and say that. Mm, share or, it. Yeah, yes, share it. share it. Or write them a note. Mm. So maybe it's like, man, it was so great that my boss 
did X, Y, and Z for me, you know? Send them a text and tell them. Yeah, tell that person. Yeah. You know, take it a step further. And that will not only, like, boost your happiness, it'll boost theirs also. Makes a big difference, yeah. Yeah. That was... That was all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Do you want to... Let's review them real quick. Yeah. Okay. So, again, hedonic adaptation. This is our ability to adjust quickly to those temporary happiness boosts and just return to our set point. Mm -hmm. And the goal is to avoid this in order to create these longer lasting, more fulfilling and sustainable feelings of happiness. Yeah. Right? So how do you avoid this? Invest in experiences. Savor them. Think about living by the concept of this is my last day. And gratitude. Yeah. And I just want to reiterate that this is... This is like any other habit you're trying to form. It's not going to come easily. It has to be intentional every single day. Mm -hmm. It might feel like a chore to write down five gratitude statements every day. And it's just not going to be second nature. And it's going to take consistent effort. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's worth it. Yeah, it makes a big difference when you do that every day. For sure. It's worth it. So knowing about it is one thing. Following through on it consistently over time is another thing. Yeah. But yeah. your happiness is worth it. Your happiness <laughs> is worth it. And don't forget to try to bring your baseline of happiness up too. Do things that overall make you a happier person. So yeah, love it. Do you have anything else to add? That's it for now. Okay. But I'll be excited to share more about what I learned from this <laughs> this psychology class. Yeah, we can't wait to hear it. So until next time, thanks, Connor. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Weekly Warrior Podcast. We sincerely appreciate you being here with us. And if you would consider sharing the Weekly Warrior with a friend or family member, that'd be pretty great, too. If you haven't already done so, leave us a rating and a short review. Also, check out our Instagram page at Weekly Warrior Podcast for more warrior content. Thanks again for being here with us, and we hope you'll join us next week when we discover the warrior within.